Look at the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Look at verse 1. We're going to start here and start reading through this. And after this, there, were, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there, was, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. While they're waiting for an angel, verse 4, went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after troubling the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So this pool was there and evidently an angel would come down and God had had it where the angel would touch the water. Water would move, the people would be waiting, they'd see the water move and they'd try to get down there. And if you could get down there first, you would be healed. Verse 5, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. That's a long time to be broken, to be sick. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the tr water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. So Jesus Christ sees him, walks over and stops and talks to him, and that's going to happen to some of y'all this morning. Jesus is going to stop and he's going to stop and he's going to talk to your heart. And he's going to ask you, uh, do you want to be made whole? Amen? Or do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole of your sin? Do you want everlasting life? He's going to stop and he's going to talk to you. He's not going to talk to me. I already have it. I'm one of the sheep. I'm in the fold. I'm one of the sons of God. But there's some of you maybe in here that aren't saved. He's going to stop and he's going to talk to you personally. He loves you. This book is not about the 99 sheep that are found. It's about the one that's lost. He's in here, and he's in here for you, and he stops and says, Well, thou be made whole. And in verse 7, the infinite man says, Sir, I have no man. I'm here to tell you this morning, you do have a man. You have the man, Jesus Christ. You do have the man, and the man is Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Whoa, yeah. He just looks at him and says, hey, get up, man. Get on up. Let's take up that bed, that mat you're laying on. Come on up. You're going to walk. You don't need no pool. You don't need to get down in front of an angel. Get up, and, get up here and walk. And when Jesus Christ says it, you're going to do it. He's, the, he's got the power of life, and I'm about to show that to you. Look at verse 9. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. So that man was immediately healed up. He jumps up. He's excited. But there's a problem there with the religious hypocrites. The religious hypocrites say, oh, oh, it's the Sabbath. It's when we shouldn't be doing anything on the Lord's day, the Sabbath. So a Jew was given the Jew. Now listen to me. I'm going to say it one more time. The Jew was given the Sabbath. The church was not given the Sabbath. We don't have to observe the Sabbath, but the Jew, Israel, was given the Sabbath by God, and God had these restrictions on what they can do and not do on the Sabbath. It was, you, when you read about the Sabbath, it was, it, what it was to is to keep people from working, the, working themselves and working their people to, selves, to death and working their servants to death. And that's what the Lord, the Lord gave it as a blessing to Israel, but Israel turned it into a curse. Israel, because they were religious and very, very religious, religious people to do this to you, they start turning things that God have given to us for a blessing, they try to turn it into a curse. So now they won't let you do anything on the Sabbath. You can't do any good on the Sabbath. You can't heal anybody on the Sabbath. So verse 10, that's what happens. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. What a bunch of hypocrites. Where was this religious guy when he needed somebody to help him in the water? Where was this guy when he's laying there and needs somebody to help him? Amen. This guy waited until he's healed up and then he comes over to him. That's what's going to happen to some of you. Some of you are going to get saved. Some of you are going to start serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are going to start feeling really good about what you're learning out of the Bible. And I guarantee you that's when the devil's going to send them by your way. Knocking on your door. Well, I don't know. Let me show you the truth. Let me show you what Jehovah's real name is. Let me and they're going to try to mess you up. And the devil's going to try to get in your head because they're religious hypocrites. They weren't there when you needed Jesus Christ, when you needed help. And, but they're going to call out and they're going to tell you, you're not doing it right. Let me show you the right way. You just tell them, if it's not in the Bible, then hit the road. That's what you tell them. Hit the road. Look at verse 11. He answered them, the man that was healed. He answered them. He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? See, they want him. They want to find out who it is. Verse 13, And he that was healed wist not 
who it was. He didn't know who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Jesus comes by, heals that guy up and says, hey, rise up, take your bed, let's walk. The guy gets up, walk, turns around, Jesus is gone. <laughs> Where's that guy just did that? But right about that time, here comes all the religious hypocrites, the Pharisees, they come in there and they start uh, asking these questions. Verse 14, afterward, look at afterward. Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. He's warning you as a Christian that you can get, you can get saved and Jesus Christ can cleanse you and wash you, but you as a, as a Christian can get caught up in going back into sin and, you, and the Lord's really going to whip you if you do that. You're His child now. We learned that in Sunday school that as a child of God, once you start sinning, God's going to start spanking you like a good father should spank his child. It'll be, you'll be worse on you. It'll be worse. You can go and live in the honky-tonks and in the bars and drink yourself away when you're lost, and it won't bother you one bit, except physically it'll have an effect on you. It'll have an effect on your job and maybe your relationships. But when you're a Christian and you try to start going back into that lifestyle again, you'll be the most miserable person in the world. Because not only will your physical health and your relationships, but then your relationship with God will be broken, and He'll stop answering your prayers and doing all kinds of things, whipping you, He'll start spanking you, and you'll feel miserable. It'll be worse. Trust me, guys, it'll be worse. Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Now he knows who it is. You know, that's the worst thing for a Christian not to know who made him whole. We forget that sometimes. We forget how important our Lord and Savior is to us. We get caught up into the church things and the things of the church. And we get very, very religious. We get very, very traditionalist. We get caught up in traditions, into religions, into religious. And we forget it's not all of that. It's a simply the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, our living Savior. Just, it's all about Him. Verse 16, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus, Look, and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They're out to kill him simply because he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. That's how crazy, listen to me, that's how crazy religious people can get. You want to know how crazy religious people can get, just look at Islam. That's all you have to do. Turn on the TV and look what's going on in the Muslim worlds with Islam. That's how crazy religious people can get. Where they think it's the religious right to cut your head off. It's getting quiet in here. Y'all been watching TV too much. <laughs> Verse 17. This is my sermon. I did all that just to get to this. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Amen. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. Why do they want to kill him even more? Look. Because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. I want to preach this morning on Jesus Christ being God manifest in the flesh. I want to show you that Jesus Christ is God walking among us. I'm going to show you that Jesus Christ through these next 7, 8, 9, 10 verses is going to give you a sevenfold witness of why He is God and He can do the things of God and that when you're coming to Him, you're coming to God the Father, Jehovah, Elohim. You're coming to Him. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. So we're going to see a sevenfold witness that Jesus is God. Now 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us simply God, that Jesus Christ is God, manifest in the flesh. That when Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, started what God did is God put himself into Jesus Christ. And that's what that verse means. God was, that's 1 Timothy 3.16. If you don't know that verse, write that down. God is so strong to show you the deity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that a lot of the new versions of the Bibles, especially the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witness, they completely just mess that one up. They just change it completely so it won't say that. They don't like that. Now, Jesus also was, all through the Bible was, was, was almost, was, uh, they tried to stone Jesus Christ for, for making these statements that made him God. And, and you see this all through the Bible. You can find it in John chapter 8, verses 56 and 59. John chapter 10, verses 30 through 33. You'll see this with Jesus Christ. But one of the things that almost where they try to stone Jesus Christ for is what we're going to look at this morning. And they try to get him here too. Is that he said in John chapter 10, verse 30, he said, I 
I and my Father are one. Amen. I and my Father are one. Now, you've got to grab a hold of that, Christian. What Jesus Christ is saying is he's, doing, he's saying one or two things. He's either saying that he's God manifesting the flesh or he is saying, he is saying that he's a blasphemous sinner. He's either a blasphemous sinner or he's God manifesting the flesh. It's one or two things. You can't have it both ways. It's one of the, he's either blaspheming, putting himself as God, or he is God. Well, I, I believe he is God. I really believe that. So as we go through this, I'm going to show you some things about how God... The Father and Jesus Christ are one. So first one's found there in verse 17. One of the first witnesses he gives us is, But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. So God and Jesus do the same work. God and Jesus, the Father, do the same work. What, he, what Jesus is saying is, When the Father works, that's when I'm working. Amen. When the Father's talking, that's when I'm talking. Amen. That's what he's saying there. Now, Verse 18, they knew exactly what he's saying when he says that. They knew exactly that he was making himself look at, in verse 18, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. That's why they were out to kill him, other than the Sabbath. They knew exactly that he was putting himself on equal with God, that he was saying he was God. That's why they went after him. Now, just because the JWs, the Jehovah's Witnesses, don't get it, or just because the Mormons don't get it, or just because modern-day liberal scholars don't get it, that doesn't mean a hill of beans to me, because they got it. They were there, and they understood it. They knew the Bible through and through, and they knew that God, the Lord God, has said, I'm a one Lord. The Lord thy God is one Lord. And you can't have two. So when he said he's equal with God, he's up there with God, he's, he's trying to make himself another God, but he wasn't making himself another God. What he's showing them is, I am God. Amen. And I'm manifest out from the Father. Now, what they, gets them confused is, is that Jesus Christ not only was the Son of God, meaning that he was, uh, he was begotten of God. In other words, he came forth from the very God essence of spirit, and he came forth to dwell among men. He not only is the Son of God, but he's also the Son of Man. He was a man. So you got the Son of God, and you got the Son of Man. You had the, the, uh, the Son of uh, Man saying, I thirst. You have the Son of Man getting weary, getting tired. You have the Son of God saying, I am the living waters coming to me and you'll never thirst. Amen. You have this stuff all through the scriptures, all through the gospels that shows the, 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 the humanity of Jesus Christ, but you also have the deity of God in Jesus Christ. And you've got to equal them out. You've got to equal them out. You've got to understand he's, he's half son of man. He's half son of God. He's both those. He's, he's full man, so he could die for mine and your sins who are men. But he's also full God, so he can die for the sins and be equal to God. He's, his hand that's God reaches and touches God's hand. His hand that's man reaches down and touches you. And he takes both y'all's hands and he puts them together. And now you're one. Now there's an atonement. Now there's a one-ment. Now you can be one with God. Because you have the Son of Man and the Son of God, and he puts y'all two together through the precious blood that he shed. For mine and your sins. So it's very, very important to get that. Just because they don't get it, the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons, and modern day liberals, they don't get that Jesus Christ proclaimed over and over and over again that he is God manifesting the flesh. Just because they don't understand it, don't you be as stupid as that. You just believe what Jesus Christ said and go with that, okay? Verse 19, here's the second witness. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever the, he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Jesus Christ, he does whatever the Father does, and what God the Father does, he does. See, Jesus Christ is God manifesting the flesh. And what God's doing is God's working through Jesus Christ. When you see Jesus Christ talking, that's Jesus. When you see Jesus Christ talking, that's God talking. You ever wonder, how would God handle that situation? Well, how did Jesus Christ handle that situation? That's how God would handle that situation. Well, what would, Jesus, what would God say about that? Well, what did Jesus Christ say about that? Because see, Jesus Christ is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So He's the mouthpiece of God. He, he's speaking. When God speaks, that's Jesus Christ speaking. 
And everything he says is, is an extension of God. It's a, it's, he's manifesting out. He's the earthly extension of God. When my, now, to, to try to help you understand this, this is kind of a crude illustration, but to help you understand this, when my wife calls me on the cell phone, that cell phone turns into my wife. That cell phone's laying there, but when that cell phone rings and I open up and it's my wife, and my wife starts talking, that's my wife. And my wife says, pick up some eggs, go pick up some milk at the grocery store before you come home. That's, that cell phone is my wife. It's not my wife, but it is my wife. Manifest out through that cell phone. So whenever God is speaking, he's speaking through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is God. Amen. And he's manifesting out. God's manifesting out of Jesus Christ. He's, he's, going to, he's going to manifest out. God the Father and Jesus Christ are one in the type of works they do. Not only in the uh, Jesus Christ or God the Father are one in works, we know that. We found that out in verse 17. But in verse 19, it, Jesus Christ is showing you that God the Father and Jesus Christ are one in the type of works they do. Everything Jesus Christ is doing is showing what God the Father would do. Everything God the Father does is what Jesus Christ would do. You're seeing deity walking on the earth. You're seeing a man that's doing something only a God could do. Amen. You're seeing a man do only something. So you say, well, who is that man? He's the man, Jesus Christ, who is God manifests out. This is what separates Jesus Christ from all the other religious leaders. The world likes to take Jesus Christ and say, here's Jesus, here's Muhammad, here's Buddha, here's Confucius. And they put all these little religious leaders in there and they try to put them all on the same level. They try to put them all on the same shelf and it don't work. Because you start examining their life, be it Muhammad or Buddha, and they have problems, they have sins. And you get into, the, you start studying Muhammad, you find a lot of problems in Muhammad's life. But they're not going to show you on TV because they don't want their TV station blown up. They're afraid. They're chicken. But the point is, is you start looking at and what separates Jesus Christ is, he said, I'm God. And I'm going to show it to you. And I can give you life because I am life. And I'm going to give you resurrection because I am the right. He starts showing this stuff. Nobody else was crazy enough to admit that or say anything like that. They'll say, Buddha will say, and I've got the teachings of Buddha right under here. I keep it right under here. Some of y'all don't believe me. The teach. The teachings of Buddha. What Baptist preacher would have the teachings of Buddha underneath his pulpit? Well, this crazy nut right here. Because you know what he says? Make of yourself a lot. Make of yourself a lot, Buddha teaches you. Rely upon yourself. Do not depend upon anyone else. Make my teachings your light. Rely upon them. Do not depend upon any other teaching. Rely upon yourself. Now, if you rely upon yourself, you're going to go straight to hell like a bullet. I don't rely on me. Kigan's wicked. I've relied on myself. I'm stupid. I make dumb decisions. I, I, I get fooled. I get tricked. Let me give you some really good advice that Jesus Christ says. Don't rely upon yourself. Rely on Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not afraid to read anybody else's religious teaching because it's sewer water compared to our pure water of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every bit of it, man. I've been there. I've studied it out. Because I've had people say, you've probably never even read a Quran. Well, by the fact, I have read a Quran. That way you can't shove it in my face. But I bet you've never read a Bible. And let me tell you something. When somebody says, I've read the whole Bible, I just roll my eyes. Y'all know what it's like to read the Bible, amen? amen. It, ain't, it isn't easy. It isn't a sitting down on a Sunday afternoon and reading through this thing. It takes me a full year to read through this Bible. Amen. And you've got to be faithful to it. So somebody tells me, I've read my whole Bible. I usually think, yeah, whatever. I don't believe them. <laughs> Because it's so hard. I mean, it's a hard book to read. It's a history book above all else. This is a history book before it's a religious book. It's a history of God working with man. You've got to get a hold of that. Because, because, see, history, man's history, tries to leave God out. And you turn on the History Channel or Discovery or A&E or whatever, and they always try to leave God out of man's thing. But what man says, he says, this is the history of creation. This is the history of man. And But what God does that man don't like is God shows where he was working. Amen. And he was making things happen. And he was moving nations. And he was killing kings. And he was raising up kings. And he was destroying this nation and this race of people. And that's God saying, I'm doing that. And man don't like that. So they don't like to think this is a history book. They like to think this is just a, a book of fables and a religious book. No, my friend. This book is first and foremost a history book. 
And then, but it's true history. And it gets into Jesus Christ. That's true history. And then you got the truth. You got the truth right there. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. God the Father. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. So God shows his son everything he does because he loves him. God shows his son everything he does because he loves him. What does this mean? That means that God the Father and Jesus Christ are one in knowledge. Jesus Christ knows everything the Father knows. The Father knows everything that Jesus Christ knows. And what that that means is when you see the Son of Man saying, only the Father knows the time and the season. Well, that's the Son of Man talking. The Son of God knows what time, because He is God manifesting the flesh. So you've got to get this stuff straightened out. There's the Son of Man and the Son of God. But God the Father and Jesus Christ are one in knowledge. The Bible tells us in Colossians, I'm going to read this verse to you. In Colossians, uh, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, yeah, right here, right here, right here. In whom, Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Talking about Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the... So all the knowledge you could ever want is going to be found in Jesus Christ. All the knowledge God has, he's given it to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 21. Let's look at verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Now we're going to get into some serious stuff, brothers and sisters. Or anybody that's in here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, we're going to get into some serious stuff because the Father has the power to raise the dead. The Son has the same power. I don't know anybody in here who has the power to raise the dead. Now, I know some people who claim they've raised the dead, but they've always claimed it through the power of God. Amen? Even in the Old Testament, you have Elijah or Elisha, and they're doing things like raising some people from the dead. Now, those people went back down into the grave, but they raised them from the dead. But they always were doing it according to what the Bible says. They always were doing it and giving the credit to God. God raised this little child up. God did this. The power of God did this. But see, Jesus Christ is different. Because Jesus Christ came along and Jesus Christ has given himself the credit. And see, that's blasphemous unless he's God manifest in the flesh. That's blasphemous. And you've got to understand that. So God the Father and Jesus Christ are one, are one in resurrection power. One in resurrection power. And we're going to get a little bit more into this in a couple of verses, but it's obvious Jesus tells Martha, when Jesus is talking to Martha, Martha says, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I know, because Martha's brother, Lazarus, had just, just died. And Jesus shows up, Martha runs out, and Martha's having this long intellectual discussion with Jesus Christ, and, and Jesus Christ is talking about how he, he's not going to be dead, and Martha says, well, yeah, Lord, Jesus, I know that in the end times that there's going to be a resurrection, I know that, and Jesus looks straight in her eye and says, Martha, I am the resurrection. Wow. What a thing for a man to say, unless he's the son of God. For him to say, no, God's going to raise him up. No, he looks her in the eye and he says, I am. I am the resurrection. Amen. Don't you know Martha kind of took a step back and said, who am I talking to right here? This ain't just some man that's a good religious leader. This is, this is God. Amen. This is God walking among us. I am the resurrection. Let's look at the next one. Verse 22, for the Father, for the Father. Now, this is all Jesus Christ speaking, guys. So remember, this is all Jesus Christ. He's given these witnesses. He's telling them every reason why he's God manifesting the flesh. And you found another one, the fifth one, in verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. God, as the supreme moral authority over the entire universe he's created, has given Jesus power to judge the power, Jesus' power to judge all men. Amen. That makes God and Jesus Christ the same in judgment and in authority. Skip, skip down verse 27. He says the same thing again in another way down verse 27. Just read that with me. And hath given him, talking about Jesus Christ, has been given by the Father, hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Wow. How can Jesus Christ judge man? Because he's not only the Son of God, He's the son of man. You see that verse? See that verse? Read it. Read it with me. 
Read it again with me. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. What do you, Jesus, what do you, what do you mean you're going to, you can't judge me. Yes, I can because I live just like you. I walked in the same places. I drank the same water. I, well, you didn't have the same temptations. The Bible says he was tempted in all points just like we are. But he didn't fail, see. He as a son of God was come down with that man to where he was tempted by Satan and he could have failed. Adam and Eve were given the test in the garden and they failed. That's why we're in the state we're in right now. That's why you're in the state you're in. Not because of anything you did. You were born this way. That, that sin that was in Adam and Eve, it, once they got it, the Bible says they passed it to their kids, their kids passed it to their kids, their kids passed it to their kids, till it got down to you and your father gave it to you. So whenever Jesus Christ was born, you know how he, how he breaks that? He has Jesus Christ born of a virgin. The seed's coming from the father. The blood is coming from the father into that mother. So now he can be the son of man and he's got the blood of God and be the son of God. So he walks through the earth as a son of man. God manifests in the flesh so he can be tempted. And when Jesus was drove out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted, he was given the same temptations. He was given the same opportunities as Adam and Eve. But he passed the test. And he came out on the other side and Satan said, oh, this isn't just a prophet. This is the Christ, the anointed one. The one that's prophesied to be God manifest in the flesh. Satan knew he was in trouble then. And you see Satan start working really hard. Because see, he thought, well, this Jesus is just another prophet. He's a young man. I'm going to drive him out in the wilderness. I'm going to cause him to sin. I'm going to tempt him. I'm gonna... And Jesus Christ stood up. And every time Jesus Christ was tempted, you know what he did? It is written. Amen. Satan come and tempt him again. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out the mouth of God. He used God's words to help defend himself. So why are you as a Christian, when you're tempted by the devil, when you have temptations come to you, why are you trusting on philosophy or your own ideas or your own feelings? Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your philosophies. Trust in the word of God and quote it back to the devil. There's the power. Jesus has showed you the power. So God has given him the judgment because now as a man who's passed the test, he can stand in judgment of every man and say, you shouldn't have done that. How can you say that? Because I didn't do it. He could have, but he didn't. Amen. Man, you've got to grab a hold of that. We've got a wonderful Savior. He's powerful, but he, he paid the price. He not only paid the price on the cross for your sins, but he prayed, paid the price by coming and living with us and walk with us and experiencing us and experiencing what it is to be a man and experiencing pain and sorrow and death. He's experienced death just like you're gonna, a lot of us in here are going to experience. He experienced all those things as a son of man. So when he's raised... He can be glorified. And we as men can look at the one man that's above all other men, the man Jesus Christ, and say, that's the name. That man right there, my Lord and my Savior. He's committed all of that. Verse 22, let's look at the next one. This, uh, uh, verse four, uh, 22 is the same one. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Let's move to 23. This is the sixth one. The sixth one, verse 23, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now that's blasphemous. And the reason why I say that's blasphemous is because God doesn't want anybody to get the honor but him. In Isaiah, I'm going to read you a verse out of Isaiah. It's real powerful. Isaiah 42, 8, the Lord says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another. Amen. Real plain. God doesn't want anybody else to get the glory. So what is Jesus Christ doing walking around saying, you honor me like you honor the Father? That's blasphemous. Unless, unless, unless it's God manifest in the flesh and when he's looking at you with those eyes, it's God looking at you. You honor me like you honor the Father. See, this stuff's getting serious. Because see, this takes Jesus from being a religious teacher. This takes Jesus from being just a good man that walked on the earth. This takes Jesus and puts him on another level that the world don't like. 
The world likes the baby Jesus in a manger. They can keep him there, and he doesn't talk to them, and he just coos and coddles, and they can keep Jesus right there. They don't like that Jesus is a full-grown 32-year-old man looking them in the eye and saying, you honor me like you honor God. Amen. They don't like that. Now, I love it because that's my Savior. Amen. I love it, and it, and it brings me joy because that, that's the one that saved me. That's the one I'm trusting in. That would be blasphemous if, he wasn't Jesus, if Jesus Christ wasn't God manifest in the flesh. So he switches gears here in verse 24. This is your verse right here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So I'm a, if you're in here and you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to put a curse on you. And I'm going to put a curse on you in a sense that I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about you if you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said that you're not going to go... Jesus Christ never said that you're going to come to a time where you die and you stand before God and then you're going to be condemned for good or bad and you're thrown into hell. Jesus Christ says you're condemned already. Jesus Christ said, He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Jesus Christ is trying to tell you that you're not, you're not living a life right now. You're a walking dead man. Uh, the, the, in prison, when you go to these prison ministries with brother, uh, brother Henry, and you go in there and you talk to these death row inmates around these kind of guys, they call them walking dead men. They know they're just, on a, they're just going to die. They're waiting for their sentence. They're, they're in jail waiting to be put to death for something that they did. That's you. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abides on you. Hell is waiting on you. It's not like you're going to say, well, I'm going to see if my good is going to outweigh my bad. That's never what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches just what Jesus Christ said here. And shall not come to condemnation, you already condemned, but is passed from death unto life. It's death right now without Jesus Christ. And notice he says, you hath everlasting life. Listen, when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have everlasting life right now. Not sometime later. Not, you're going to get it. You're going to get it after you pass away or after you take your last breath. Jesus Christ says, He hath it right now. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Chew on that for a little while. Do you have Him? You got life. Do you not have Him? You don't have life. You're walking in death. You're walking in death. Notice he also said, he hath everlasting. Notice he says, and shall not come into condemnation. I like those shall nots when they come to good stuff. We got so much, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not commit murder. We have all those bad thou shalt nots. But I like it when he says, thou shalt not come into condemnation. He didn't say, you might not come into condemnation. He's saying, you shall not. Meaning that I got it and I'm going to keep it and I don't have to worry about it. Praise the Lord for that. Why is that? Not because of anything I did. It's not because of me. It's all because of Jesus Christ. I'm in God. He's let me be His Son. He's let me call Him Father. It's a wonderful relationship. And it don't have nothing to do with me. It's because the Son of Man reached down and grabbed my hand. And the Son of God reached up and grabbed God's hand. And He put us together. And now I have a wonderful relationship with the Father as a son. And I call out to Him, Abba, Father. It's a spiritual connection that no man can break. Amen. And I thank the Lord for that. Verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is come and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Amen. Woo! I love it, man. There's going to come a time where Jesus Christ, like Lazarus, is laying in the grave. With, he talked to Martha, and then Mary came out, and Mary touched Jesus Christ's heart, and Jesus walked to the tomb of Lazarus as he laid there, dead there, and he's laying there dead in the tomb, and Mary is talking to Jesus, and it says, the Bible says, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He was touched by their emotions. He was touched by their heartache. And he looked at that old tomb with that old cold body laying in that grave. And he said, roll back that tomb. Roll it back. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he called Lazarus out. And it don't matter if you're laying dead in a grave. You will come out. 
That's the power that Jesus Christ has. Now tell me that's not the Son of God. Now tell me that's not God manifesting the flesh. My friend, Jesus Christ is God walking among us. He's got the power of a God to raise the very dead. Cold stone dead. Come out of here. Come on. And it says Lazarus came out all bound up. Any way he could, he came on out. That's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus deserves as much honor as God. Only God can give life, and Jesus has the same power in him. Amen. You know, I get so mad. I watch some of these, uh, these science shows, because I, I love science. I love uh, watching some of these shows, and they always say, you know, scientists are... They're getting closer to being God as they mess with people's DNA and they mess with the genetics and we're getting so close to being God. And, we're, and I even heard one stupid scientist say, we've learned so much about the universe, there'll be no need for God. And I just, oh my gosh. You know. what they, they, they're, they're so smart, they're stupid. Okay, you're messing with DNA. I, I'm proud of you. You're very, very, very smart. That you can mess with DNA and understand all that genetics and mutations and all. You're very, very smart. But listen to me. You're messing with what God created. Amen. You didn't create that. You're just messing with it and trying to manipulate it and trying to make it do this and that. And do you not understand that you're working with somebody else's stuff? Amen. You're working with God's created stuff. And if you had to create something on your own, you create, can't create squat. You're just messing with other people's stuff. Don't be so high-minded. Jesus Christ, He created all things. I'm going to read you this. For by, this is Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by Him, Jesus Christ, were all things created. Amen. Talking about Jesus. That are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and indivisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Jesus created them, they're for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Amen. That's Jesus. Now tell me that's not God. Amen. It's hard too. It's hard to not wrap your mind around it and say, well, Jesus has given me all these witnesses of how He's God. I think He is God. Amen. I really believe it. And this is, just, this is just eight, nine verses. Verse 27. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. We, we talked about that verse. Marvel not at this, verse 28, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, that's the first resurrection, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Look, when you've done good and received Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that's a resurrection you want to be a part of. That's called the first resurrection. Then the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ takes place. There's a great white throne judgment at the end of Revelation chapter 20. Go home and read all this. Revelation chapter 20. God brings all these people up. He judges them for their works. They look in the Lamb's book of life. If their, their name's not found in the Lamb's book of life, He takes them and He throws them into a devil's hell. He throws them into the lake of fire. It's just that simple. You've got death. You're damned. The wrath of God abideth on you. You're condemned. All this stuff is coming towards you without Jesus Christ. So I'm here to tell you this morning, I gave you a curse by telling you that, but I'm going to give you a blessing. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this. You can get out of that condemnation, and you can get into, the, into life through Jesus Christ. Simply by receiving. I'm not telling you to change how you act or change the way you are. I'm telling you, come down and say, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to be saved. I know I'm a sinner. I want to be saved. You know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will come in, you'll be saved, and then He'll start cleaning you up. One sin at a time, he'll start cleaning your life up. And as a Christian, you'll start growing in the Lord, and you'll start getting rid of some stuff. You're never going to stop sinning. But you'll be passed from death into life, and you'll start living this life as a, as a son. You'll start living it for the Father and start living a better life. And he got, Jesus Christ says, I promise you, I'll give you abundant life. I'll give you a life, and it'll be more abundant. And that's what we're all looking for is a better life. Amen. Verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. And then he's going to go in, and I'll preach this someday. He's going to go in, and he's going to tell you all the people that witness that he is God, that he is Jesus Christ, he is the Son of God. Now, I want to close by pointing out, I'm going to go back over real quick, just quickly, 
God the Father and Jesus Christ are the Son are one. In verse 17, they're one in works. Verse 19, they're one in types of works. uh, Verse 20, they're one in knowledge. Verse 21, they're one in resurrection power. Verse 22, they're one in authority. Verse 23, they're one in honor. And verse 26, they're one in giving life as a creator. And verse 26, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. That's a creator. Jesus Christ is God the creator. And I read you those verses. Now, the Bible says here in Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So I'm not trying to tell you that Jesus Christ is a begotten God, that he's a separate God. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. It's a trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All three of those names, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all three are known by the name of the Lord. All three are called the Lord in the Bible. God the Father is called the Lord, Jesus Christ is called Lord, and the Holy Spirit is called Lord in Corinthians. They're all called Lord. That's why you hear me say, the, I say Lord, Lord a lot. I'm just talking about the Trinity, in a sense. So if you're doubting, if you're doubting any of this, you're being a doubting Tom. You ever heard of a doubting Tom? Somebody say, you're just being a doubting, y'all heard that? Do the kids still use that? Well, brother, I, I said kids, not the 80-year-old men. Some of you young ones? Oh, does any of you young ones heard Doubt and Tom? Anybody? Y'all? Okay, some of y'all, y'all old people still shaking your heads. But okay, y'all, everybody young at heart. Yeah, young at heart. Where that comes from is the Bible. And Jesus Christ showed up. He was resurrected. And he showed up to his disciples. Well, there's one disciple that was missing, old Thomas. <laughs> he was not there someday. I guess he was at home sick, called the pack. I can't make it or whatever. So Jesus, he comes in, he runs into his brothers and sisters, and he runs into the other disciples and says, oh, you won't believe it, Jesus Christ, he's, he's resurrected. He showed up, and he, he talked to us, and he, he, he was letting us touch him. And, and, and you know what Thomas, Thomas said? He said, you know, I just won't believe that unless I can see it. Thomas said, unless I can see it, and I can put my hand into, his, into, his, put my hand into those nail-scarred hands and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe it. Well, old Thomas, he had a wake-up call one day. Because it was a couple of days later, Thomas was there with all the disciples, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up, walks right through the walls, comes up in there. And they all just kind of step back. You know what Jesus says? The first thing Jesus says, Thomas, come here. Put your, put your finger into my hand right here. Thomas, take your hand and thrust it into my side. The Bible says Thomas did what every one of us needs to do. He walked up and he said, My Lord, and my God. And he bowed down. My Lord and my God. He had to see it with his eyes. And then he said, that's my Lord and my God. Jesus Christ told Thomas, blessed are you that have seen and believed. He said, but more blessed are those who have never seen. That's me and you. That have never seen, but yet believe. I've never seen this man Jesus with my eyes. But I believe so much in my heart that I'm willing to drive 40 minutes every Sunday, every Wednesday and preach this man Jesus the best way I can and to glorify my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because I believe when I'm touching Jesus Christ, I'm touching God. And I believe he saved me. I believe I got a place in heaven. I had to preach a funeral this Saturday, and there was, I don't know how many people, there were all these people, a lot of them I didn't even know. They're all standing around, and I'm preaching this, and you, you know, you're preaching Jesus Christ, and, and they're all just standing there looking at you like a lot of y'all are doing me now, just kind of bored and everything. And I'm preaching Jesus Christ, and we're out by a riverbank, and we're at the riverbank. We're about to pour this, my uncle's ashes into the river, and I'm preaching, and they're all, you know, people, you know. Like this, and I'm preaching Jesus Christ, and I had a cousin there that has, is an MD. I have a, believe this or not, actually, in my family, this is going to shock some of y'all. I've got a doctor in my family. I mean, my wife almost fainted when she found out, you know, this guy's a doctor. I mean, a true doctor. And I actually, this is a cousin I actually spent time around, so none of that rubbed off on me, you know. And, and we're getting back in the car, and he said, uh, I, I appreciate the words you said. I said, oh, thank you, that's the Lord, you know. And he said, uh, I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stand up on those people. We were talking a little bit more about that kind of stuff. And, and I was just saying to him, it's because of Jesus Christ has been so wonderful to me. It's 
Jesus Christ is worthy. I, I, I'm, I, I'm willing to get up in front of a bunch of strangers and say Jesus Christ is the only way. Amen. That's how much I believe in this stuff. I believe it because I've studied it for 20-something years. And me and my wife, we went over, we did some shopping. We're at one of the uh, stores, uh, department stores in Brownwood later on that day. And here comes one of those little kids. He's, I say little kids, about 14, 15 years old. He walked up there, and he walked up to me, and he goes, hey, man. And he's talking to me. You know what he said to me? This 15-year-old kid said to me, he said, I like the words that you said down there at the river. I'm thinking about getting baptized. Amen. See, I, I'm telling you, I'm, what I'm trying to show you is, is that the Lord's working still. And sometimes we read this stuff and we're like, that was 2,000 years ago. That was 2,000 years ago that Thomas hit his knees and said, my Lord, my God. My friend, Jesus Christ is more real today than he is then. He's, he can walk in those back doors right now and I believe it's all in my heart. Amen. And I believe he'd walk in those doors and we wouldn't even recognize him. Some of us wouldn't even recognize him. He's real. He's a living Savior. And when you call out on him to save you, you're not calling out on an idea or a philosophy. You're calling out on a living Risen Savior that's listened to every word you say. And when you can have that in your heart and believe that he's resurrected, you believe he's living, and you believe and know you're a sinner, and say, Jesus Christ, I know you can hear me. Will you please save me? That's how you get resurrection life. That's how you'll get salvation. He says, is that simple, preacher? It's just that simple. There's, I'm not trying to be religious about it. It's simple. You just believe. You got to believe he can hear you, amen. You got to believe he died for your sins. You got to know you're a sinner, and then you call out to him, knowing he can hear you and say, Lord, will you, Jesus, will you save me? I don't want to go to hell. Will you save me? I want to go to heaven. And he'll save you right there. Amen. Is that simple? Oh, yeah, it's that simple. It was that simple for me, and I've never, ever been the same. Amen. Now, if you're in here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't say you can call God your Father, and you say, well, I never think, can think of a time that I called out to Jesus in prayer and asked him to save me. Well, this is your opportunity. We're about to have an invitation. We're going to sing a song. And while we're singing a song, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just come on down the aisle. We won't try to embarrass you. Just come on down the aisle. Put your hand in my hand and tell me, I want to get saved. And we'll, we'll say a prayer together, and God will save you right there. Jesus Christ will come and save you right there. And your life will be changed from here forevermore. Then your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased. And you'll have a place waiting for you in heaven. Amen. It's just that simple. And Jesus Christ is God. He can give you that resurrection power. He has it in him, and he's going to do it. I believe Jesus Christ can do it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Amen. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for your words. Lord, we just read over some of these scriptures as we do our daily Bible reading here in John 5, Lord. We just read right over them. We'll never even stop to meditate, Lord, that that's Jesus showing his deity. Father, we thank you for men and Lord, that scholars, men have studied this book, Lord God, that show this stuff to us. Father, I thank you for them, Lord God, that show some of this stuff to me. And Father, I just pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know if they're going to go to heaven or hell, Lord God, that they'll come on down the aisle and get saved, Lord, and not be embarrassed, Lord. You said that uh, everybody you called, you called publicly, Father, Lord, you said that if you'll we'll confess you before men, you'll confess us before the Father. Jesus, you said if we deny you before men, you'll deny us before the Father. Lord, we're just... We just want to do things right by you, Lord God, but we want people to be saved. We want them to be in heaven with us, Lord. We want them to know that you are the truth and you are the way and you are the life. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for these people, Lord God. It's a special blessing on each and every one of them. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.